From the Green Velvet Couch, this is Shelley O'Neill. I'm the therapist, corporate wellness consultant, and the owner of the Six Facility Private Behavioral Health and Psychiatry Healthcare Group. On this podcast, I'll be bringing you inspiring stories and valuable insights from people who have harnessed their inner strength to overcome obstacles and to achieve success. I believe no matter what challenges come our way, we're designed to conquer them. Together, we'll explore the transformative power of resilience, cultivate a mindset that embraces growth, and uncover strategies that will allow us to face life's challenges head on, one episode at a time. Hello, Becca. We're so honored and excited to have you on our podcast today. Go ahead and just tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're doing right now, how you came to that place. Yeah, so my name is Becca Cunningham, and I and I'm a ninth generation Middle Tennessee girly. So my family goes way back to this area. I've been in Nashville now for about 12 years since I moved back from New York City after college. So I grew up here, and then went to college in Murfreesboro, then spent some time in New York, and came back. So most recently, I've been working in the real estate business for about eight years now, and uh, I, I love it. I love it so much. It's been really, really good for me and good to me. I've grown a lot in my career and just in a place now where I've been able to kind of like branch out into other things as well and and do some sort of passion projects, if you will. So that's the best. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I do have a lot of, you know, outside interests aside from real estate. So I started this earlier this year, just doing something kind of like what you're doing uh, with the podcast. I am interviewing people who are um, sober or alcohol free. And uh, we put a kind of a twist on it with a lot of elements bringing in like spirituality and, you know, things having to do with metaphysical topics. And so I'll be releasing that next year, just like as a collection, as a limited series. So that's what I've been doing in my spare time um, recently. Interesting. Well, tell me a little bit about that transition. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there could be like a whole book or definitely a song from going to New York and then transitioning back home. Tell me something about that time period. Well, that was a definitely a huge like t- time period for me where I was changing a lot. Very transitional, big growth period. I actually was in a pretty toxic relationship when I was in New York, where he was the first boyfriend that I ever lived with, the first person who I ever got like really, you know, close to and boyfriend like outside of after college, at least. And so I just learned so much about myself, like through that experience. And it all kind of came crashing down, like my world in New York came crashing down and it was definitely dark times. (laughs) But when I got home, Thankfully, you know, my parents were so helpful. They saw, you know, that I needed help. They got me into a really good therapy program and I got back on my feet, you know, within probably six months or so. And I'll definitely share more like details on that story at some point. But that was sort of what kickstarted me, I think, into this more inner personal like deep searching, kind of seeking within that I would say I've been, you know, work, working on mind, what, mindfulness or guard for at least like, you know, 11 or so years now. So it all started really with like a, a crazy, bad, chaotic experience, yeah. you know, bad relationship. On, the, on that 
point, what I, what I tell people is, you know, none of us wake up when things are going great and like the sun is shining and birds are singing and none of us go, okay, so I think I really, really want to do a lot of work on me mm-hmm. and I think I want to heal. I think I want to grow. None of us, those are never, ever, it, it's whenever things are difficult and painful and just excruciating, that's where the journey kind of starts. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I it felt like I had been hit by a bus, you know, I, I had no clue who I was or what I wanted to do. I had never really even like connected to my heart center before that or even knew what that meant. Yeah, I just I grew up in a really great, you know, loving family and household and didn't really have a lot of of too many big ups or downs, you know, throughout childhood. So when I experienced that big major event when I was about 22, 23, I came home and I, I like I said, I was in therapy I started doing a ton of yoga and got really into meditation. Like I would say like very surface level meditation, but just, you know, learning about it. And just for the first time, you know, like connecting to myself, which at some point, like you said, everybody hopefully will have that moment where they're like, gosh, I, you know, could do a lot more on self-development, growing, and want to be better, do better, grow, level up, you know, and it hopefully, once you start, hopefully it doesn't ever end, so. Yeah. Well, it, and I think that's where you start accessing your real power, you know, the, yeah. the power to create the life that you didn't even know you wanted or you hadn't even thought along the lines of what, what do I want my life to look like, you know, and we always talk about how the happiest, most successful people they really do design their own lives. And most of the time it, it comes out of some sort of hardship or obstacle to overcome. But as you become more powerful and insightful and mindful and intentional, then things start fitting together because not only are you healing and growing, but then you you realize what you are passionate about. I so, have a lot of interests yeah. and a lot of different passions. So I don't know how I really would have honed anything in without guidance and help. And I've had a lot of good mentors along the way. And one family friend just sat down with me and did like personality testing and asked me all about, you know, what I thought my weaknesses and strengths were. And and he said, you should go into real estate. And, you know, I had thought about it in the back of my mind before and never really worked towards that goal or set a goal. But once I did, I think that was that was pretty much the turning point for me was when I did decide to go get my real estate license and and really pursue a career. So tell me about like in real estate, uh, what you enjoy about it and how I know you have an amazing project called Neon Lights and Sober Nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me kind of how that came into fruition. Gosh, so I feel like that that's been in the making for a long time, like inside of me, you know, but I didn't really know that it was there and what that was even. Yeah. But to answer your question, that all started a little over two years ago when I decided to quit drinking. So I decided to give up alcohol. It's actually a really funny story, sort of like the last time that I did drink and, you know, go all out. I was with my mother. And we were down in Palm Beach. I was taking her on like a mother-daughter vacation. And 
it's that's another really funny story that I'll share at some point. But, you know, to make it short, we we opened the bar and we closed the bar. And I think I tipped the server that night like a hundred dollars. And we were I mean, it was an event. It was it was eventful. And so the next day I was just so hungover. I felt awful. I mean, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make my flight home. It was really bad. And there's my like my loving, adorable mother just like taking care of me, going across the street, getting me Pedialyte. And I was like, I can never do this again. Mm -hmm. This is not how I want to feel ever again. I think I, I missed a work meeting that morning. And yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't good. And so I kind of had this like light bulb moment in my head that was that told me and, and maybe it was God. It probably was God. But I had this moment where I knew within my whole being that if I didn't quit drinking, I would never reach the heights that I want to reach in my life. So it was just thing that was just really kind of like limiting me where normally the sky is the limit, right? But I think alcohol in my life, there was a very, very clear limit to where I could go if I didn't give that up. So I quit drinking. And then, you know, it was it was pretty, pretty easy at first. It was something that I didn't, you know, go to AA right away. I didn't work like the 12-step program. I pretty much just hibernated for a solid 30 days, maybe even more than that, where I, I like literally stayed in my house i did my sauna and listened to po a podcast called the seltzer squad and i swear those two girls like got me through the first <laughs> they're so funny but yeah it really was an internal journey to begin with i didn't talk about it very much at all except for with people who were you know close to me and then i hit 90 days and really started feeling good i felt like, wow, I can notice the physical differences. I can notice the mental clarity, the spiritual kind of awakening that I was going through. And so I kept going and kept going. And it just has been the best thing for me that I've ever given myself is sobriety. And so I, I wanted to kind of just like create this community, if you will, of people yeah. you know, who might be sober curious or who have maybe recently given up alcohol or thinking about it. Or even if you're just like, yeah, 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 sober curious, I would say. So I decided to start talking to people about it and really becoming a little bit more open about my own journey um, and, and what that has looked like for me so far. And then just sharing other people's experiences because everyone does have such a different journey. They have different reasons for, you know, getting sober and different ways that they, you know, stay dedicated to their sobriety throughout the journey, too. So it's just been really fun to kind of collaborate and work on that this year in my, you know, in my free time. I love that you said that you started feeling really, really good. And I know someone that, that I know, I'll, he just explained this to me because prior to him getting sober, there wasn't really a whole lot of healthy things about him. You know, and mm -hmm. knowing him, but and then there was this, you know, over a period of I'm going to say at least a year, his whole life changed. Mm -hmm. And I asked him like, so how do you do that? Because you know, as a therapist, that's what I love to see. I love to see people getting their life back 
to creating a new life, a, a better life. But I'm still, after 20 plus years as a therapist, I'm very intrigued how people get healthy and how they overcome things. And he said, you know what? I, I was sober long enough for the first time in my life. He said, you know, he said, I would be sober for, you know, a couple of weeks or, you know, three weeks. But he said, I, I never really made it to 30 days. And once I got to 30 days, then I really wanted to be sober 40 days. And he said at about, at about 90 days, he's like, I felt so good that I didn't even remember feeling that good. Right. And I, I got addicted to feeling good. Yeah. And it sounds to me like around that same period for you, around 90 days, you became really, you know, gosh, this is, you don't want to lose that feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. It's true. And that's so encouraging to hear. I keep hearing that over and over again with the people who I speak to, that 90 days really is the turning point. The, the folks on my show will be like, oh, after a few months or after almost a full season or after 90 days. And that really is, I might have to consider changing the name of my project because it's <laughs> like, it's becoming so much about just 90 days of sobriety. And we have this whole like sober January. And my message is that you know, dry January is great, but 90 days is really where it's at. If you actually do want to see the differences that your life can have and how things can change for you, it really does take 90 days. You know, working with people uh, and helping them select and then be uh, admitted to a rehab, a lot of times they will be successful that 30 days because they are detoxing for one thing, but they're, they're not around their own community members. So the challenge is then when they come out and coming back into the same workplace, the, the same place of residence, mm -hmm. the same friends, that's really where uh, you better have a good sober community yeah. to offset those mm -hmm. things. And it felt to me like that's what you've been able to do so well is to create this sober community in your own life, and then you're able to teach others how to do that. I'm trying, yeah. It's a very slow process. It really is a slow process. And I think that in the very beginning, yeah, you have to have, even if it's somebody that you're just listening to, that's helpful. You know, for like for me, it was the podcast and the two girls on that show. Because I, in the beginning for me, I didn't have anybody. I mean, like I said, I wasn't going to AA. A lot of my friends did think I was like crazy for giving up alcohol. They were like, what do you mean? Like, you don't have a problem. You can have at least one, can't you? Like, so it was a little different for me because I didn't immediately, like, I didn't go to rehab and I didn't immediately get into any kind of a program where I did find community. So if anything, like one, one thing that did help I will say I got into a relationship about 45 days after I gave up alcohol with this man who did not drink. So that was helpful for me. Mm -hmm. But I think everyone's experience is so unique and different. And just having the content out there that's accessible for people to listen to and, you know, finding different ways that they can relate to other people's journeys and processes. I don't think it's a one size fits all sort of a thing. Well, it, and I, I love that your approach is that I, I can live abundantly. I, I can do all of these things mm -hmm. because I think when people think of Nashville, you no, know, there's 
you know, it's an amazing city and there's so many wonderful things in it, but also the, the Broadway, you know, in the strip there, a lot of times that's the image that people think of. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you come to Nashville and, and be sober? I think that that can be really limiting for some people. But what you're saying is you, you, you can live a very full life being sober. Yeah. I'm more full than I was when I was drinking. I don't have any restrictions. You know, if I go to this party and then I'm going to have to get a ride to this one or I'll have to, you know, go figure out, you know, how am I going to do this on top of doing that? Well, it's like when I'm sober, I have all the energy. I, I can drive myself. I don't have to worry, you know, about about any of those things that were limiting me before. So I can do this and then I can do this and, and, and. So in a way, it's like a much more abundant lifestyle than being sort of like a slave to the drinking lifestyle. Exactly. Tell me about your practices that you've implemented in your, in your daily life and then in your company and kind of how that all fits together. Because we always talk about, you know, you can't be a healthy employee unless you're a healthy person. You don't show up at, right. you know, whatever time work starts like, ta-da, that's just not how it works. So I'm really interested, and I know our listeners are too, on the things that you do that have helped you just daily and in, and in your um, professional life. Yeah, I mean, it's really so super simple, and I try to keep it as simple as possible because I think that the easier something is for you to do it, the more likely you are to actually follow through. So one thing that I do in the mornings when I wake up, I don't look at my phone, and within like the first 10 minutes of getting up, I go outside. And just getting like that fresh air right away, sunshine, if it's raining, you know, I might stay inside, but... Sometimes I'll go out there and just get wet. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, or I'll sit under my porch. But just getting outside the first thing in the day and setting your attention for the day. You know, just a new day. It's a new possibility. There's new exciting things that are happening that are yet to come my way. You know, just kind of getting into the mindset of anything can happen and getting into that mindset as quickly as possible with the fresh air is is one of the best things that you can do. And you'll really start to notice a huge difference in just your consecutive good days after, you know, maybe a week of that practice. And that's a really easy thing that you can do. Well, and, you know, there are so many studies coming out now talking about just a few minutes of vitamin D a day really help offset and decrease the depression rates and the anxiety rates that we just see that are skyrocketing. So I love that every day you're getting outside when we teach, you know, grounding techniques, one of the things we tell people is take your shoes off and put them on the ground, yep. you know, I'll let those vibrations uh, go through your, your body. And people are like, well, that's a little woohoo. Not really. There's, there's amazing science behind all of those things. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of times as humans and just living this experience, especially with all the technology that we have, at our fingertips these days, we forget where we come from. We forget that we are beings, you know, of Mother Nature, of Earth. And so the more time you can spend in fresh air, the more time you can get outside, feel the sunshine, and just connect to nature. I mean, that's that's the easiest thing that you can do to brighten your spirits and lift your mood. There's there's studies that talk about just looking at a natural body of water for five minutes a day can decrease your stress levels by as much as 40 to 60 percent. You know, just watching little like 
squirrels forage around and, you know, just as, as, as much nature as you can possibly access. I mean, that's really a game changer. I love that you're, you're talking about learning to be versus learning to do. Because I think as a culture, as a society, especially my generation, we've placed a lot of emphasis on if you're busy, you're successful. Right. If you're busy, you must be doing good things. And what we're seeing is just incredible rates of burnout mm-hmm. and really talented people who are crippled by anxiety and depression and addiction. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we, we teach how to be busy, mm-hmm. but I don't, we teach how to, how to be. Mm-hmm. And the people that, that can hone into that, that's where the creativity, mm-hmm. that's where that expansive thinking comes from. And then you're talking about, you know, decreasing the electronics, which what we know now is when we look at electronics, we're actually sending the messages to our brain to stimulate dopamine, which is what happens with addiction. There's a lot of things out there that stimulate the fake dopamine that a lot of us don't even realize that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. So um, just being kind of mindful and I think back to something that you said too, learning just to be and getting out of the the habit of thinking that being busy is directly correlated to, you know, success. I mean, like being busy to me, I don't ever want to be busy. I want to be active. I want to be enjoying the things that I'm doing. I want to be, you know, taking time for myself, you know, and saying, hey, sorry, I'm busy. You know, I don't want to ever find, find myself really kind of like in that scenario. I have a full life, but busy just feels something about that just doesn't resonate with me. <laughs> I, I think it correlates to anxiety, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I'm, I get a kick out of like, I, I'm a big believer in you can use any tool for good or bad things. And, I'm, and I tell people, use your phone for good things. So a lot of my feeds are calibrated for health and wellness as a mm-hmm. you know, wellness consultant and all. But still, I find that it drains me like energy wise, even when I'm looking at a good thing, you know? how healthy it is to slow down and to be and to practice the things that you're talking about you're you're saying that it it changed your whole life oh a hundred percent night and day yeah slowing down has been insanely beneficial to me just getting quiet spending more time with myself and if you think about it, there are so many things in life that when you do these things slowly, you have so much better like long-term benefits. So take like food, for example, growing your own food or sourcing local fruits and vegetables and in-season foods. I mean, those foods take time to grow. It's called the slow food movement for a reason, you know, that actually started in Italy and it's really caught on, I think. But slow food is more often than times and not going to be extremely healthy for you. Slowness in your relationships and friendships and, you know, in, in romantic relationships. When you meet somebody, you know, take it slow. Really take the time to get to know that person. If it's a friendship level or, you know, a romantic level, like you want to be sure that you like them and that you feel good around those people and that you walk away feeling more nourished from them than you did, you know, coming into the mm-hmm. time spent together and not so much about like, oh, I have to do this to make sure that they like me, but really taking taking relationships slow too. I mean, taking time, making decisions in your 
you know, career and your business. You don't want to act reactively. Take a slow moment to think about things and and let solutions come to you rather than trying to force them. So just like a slowness in in life in general, I think is a really good thing. Oh, absolutely. I'm thinking back when I met my husband. This was a second marriage for for me. Mm-hmm. And he was this eligible bachelor and all. And, you know, we, we go to dinner and he says to me, what's your story? And I'm like, well, what, what do you mean? And he's like, well, just tell me about your life. And I kind of looked at him and said, yeah, you're not going to get all that on <laughs> one day. And he said it was very intriguing to him because he's like, he just wanted to know. He's like, I just wanted it wrapped up and I just wanted to know everything right then and there because mm-hmm. I needed to move on with things. And he said, you really kind of set me back and like, oh yeah, you're not going to get any of that, but tell you what I'd like to order for dinner. <laughs> but we do, we, we, we don't, and we overshare in relationships so early that we, we never establish healthy boundaries and, uh, we never take the time of getting to know people slowly. We, we rush in because we want the end result. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the beauty of life is it's the process of getting there. It's not one big, wonderful sunset. It's correct. It's journey. Yeah, it is a journey. Yeah, for sure. More about the journey than like the destination, I think, is what they say. Don't get me wrong. I love a good destination. There's anything wrong with a great destination. But we can't discount everything before the destination. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we do. Yeah, and, and we're, we're so naturally inclined, or at least I am. And I think it's part of my like id personality part of me that, like I want what I wanted, and I that's what I want right now, and mm-hmm. I'm just born that way. And so, throughout life, you know, I've learned to yeah. recognize that part of myself, and mm-hmm. you know, just dial it back a little bit whenever I am like really pushing and trying to, you know, just get to an outcome or get to a solution or whatever it is. So yeah, just really taking the step back. And, and just moving a little bit slower with things. And I think that really has been a big key also to being present as, as just being able to just calm down and take things uh-huh. a little bit slower. Yeah. And when I think we make a lot of uh, wise decisions when we do that. And when you're talking about, you know, not drinking and, and issues related to sobriety and all, you know, in running groups, recovery groups for many years, it was interesting to me that something as simple as a routine of making coffee every single day for people. And, you know, in our groups, we would always do that. We'd always have, you know, something to, to drink. And a part of it is what do you do with your hands? And, and you're, you're filling up some space in your life where a substance used to be. But that's what I really learned about the sacredness of, of what we eat and what we drink. And it's more than what we put into our body, although that's, you know, very, very important. It's also the, the routine of doing something and slowing down and being mindful. And mindful people, their, their rates of injury are much, much lower. The risk-taking is much, much lower. But you have to teach that. You have to learn how to do that. We're, we don't wake up and we're well, pretty mindful today. I'm going to drink a great cup of coffee. That's not realistic. So yeah, I love that. Well, tell me from a business perspective and working in real estate, what promotes your mental health and also your professional life? How do you integrate those? 
Right. Work-life balance is huge for me. I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on it. And I'm I'm really lucky to have colleagues that are so supportive of that. And we are in one another as well. But, you know, sometimes it can get crazy. You have this thing in real estate that I, I think most people in the industry can relate to that it's like feast or famine. And so I my my balance really is in like enjoying the moments when I'm really slow and not getting myself worked up with fear or anxiety about, you know, when's the next deal going to come? When when am I going to sign up the next buyer? When, you know, and and if and blah, 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 you know, like just creating all this like anxiety in my head and really enjoying the slow times because I know that the chaos is going to be back, you know. So I think just having an awareness around that. And then when I am in that like crazy chaotic period, gosh, there's there's so many different things. Screen time is huge. Only working from a set amount of hours per day. So I'll typically start, you know, around 8.30 or 9 in the morning and then go until 5 p.m. And so if I get a phone call or anything after that, it's going to get a- addressed, you know, the next day. And I'm not sorry for that. You know, I don't I don't carry any any guilt about about that whatsoever because those are my those are my boundaries. And I think that having boundaries like that are extremely important, especially when you are in a chaotic sort of business or industry if you can have those boundaries and if you if you can't hopefully you have you know like an assistant or even just like an auto reply or something where you have the ability to walk away at, at, at the same time you know every day yeah exactly and you know we, we talk a lot in therapy about what boundaries really are and i think that's a word that we all you know we hear a lot but what what really is a boundary and i always tell clients think of it as like a fence you know do you need a castle moat boundary for this situation and this person or this work issue mm-hmm. or do you need just a little bit of like lattice work or a little picket fence that you could easily you know flow through or is it a chain link yeah. or whatever that boundary is because boundaries keep us safe they keep bad things out for the most part and i think from a, a work perspective Chronic availability isn't, it isn't realistic. It's not healthy. Right. And if you really are going to have an expert in that field, they're not going to be available, you know, 24 seven to you. Right. They're doing their own thing, their own research, and they're not going to always be. So those people that are always instantly available, always, always question the expertise. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I think too, another thing that is so important is just like getting up from your desk. If you work at a desk, getting up every hour or so and just walking around and taking like a five to 10 minute breather, checking in with yourself. That's really important too, just little breaks throughout the day. And, you know, if you're in a, if you are in a job where you are tied and, and chained up to your desk, then, you know, maybe think about like, how can I start planting seeds for something that might be healthier for me in the future how can i think about you know where i could possibly go from here that would benefit me more than you know a place that doesn't allow me to exercise these necessary sort of just elevating experiences little tiny things you can do throughout the day to just be a better employee you know 
Mm-hmm. So as a real estate agent, you know, it, you're always connecting people to the right fit, correct? The, uh, yeah. The right home, the right lender, the right environment. Mm-hmm. So how has your, your own practice and meditation, I'm really curious about your meditation practice. How has that affected being able to do that or, or has it? It has really affected my business for sure. I've gotten so clear on how I want my business relationships to look and feel. And if I don't think that I'm a fit for somebody, I will be the first person to say, I think you should work with someone else. Or I don't think this is going to work out for you. I think, you know, let me point you in the right direction. Because the last thing I want to do is like force myself into working with somebody that really just isn't like energetically aligned with me. So my meditation has really helped me get super clear on just how people make me feel when I'm around them and how I want to feel when I'm around others as well. Yeah, this the meditation is really helping, you know, mm-hmm. being able to identify exactly what, what's the best fit mm-hmm. for you and for your career. Yeah, and I think too, meditation is also going to help you get so much more in touch with your intuitive side and your just your understanding, your knowing, your like wisdom within. Meditation helps with that so much. And you have this radar, I feel like, that just goes off, you know, when something's not quite right. And so that has helped me filter really well through potential clients and and people who just be wasting my time. Exactly. You know, people will ask my husband, what's it like being married to a therapist? And he always says, well, sometimes she'll just look at me and say, yeah, bad read. And he's like, it drives me crazy. And he's like, well, hey, there's not anything that's happened or it's been said that would make you say bad read. And I'm like, intuitively, I just have a bad read. It doesn't mean that's a bad person. Right. It typically means that's a bad fit for me right. to have that person in my life, either professionally or personally. It doesn't mean they're, you know, not great for someone else. But mm-hmm. for me, that introduction is huge. Yeah, you can really pick up on if someone is on your, you know, wavelength for sure. Uh-huh. And if they aren't on your wavelength, maybe they're just a couple steps away and you can make mm-hmm. that guide or maybe they're way above you and you're like, I want to learn from you so much. But when it's so far apart, you can really feel that. Yes. Yeah, you can definitely feel that huge gap of just you know, there is no synergy. Right. You no, know, whatsoever. My meditation has helped me with that, like leaps and bounds. So how did you how did you start meditating? Because I think a lot of people feel like you have to be this spiritual guru to really meditate, you know. And there's lots of things on movies that give us all these crazy and funny images. So how did you start off practically? And what would you say to someone who who is thinking that they might want to try that? Yeah, there's so many different types of meditation. You could be you know, like tying your shoe and meditating if you wanted to be. If you are just thinking about your way of being and how you you connect to yourself, I mean, that's meditating. Being able to just sit still, being able to, to get really quiet, to just tune in with your breath. I think something as simple as like a square breathing meditation where you breathe in for a count of four, you breathe out for a count of four, you breathe, you, you, uh, 
you keep doing that in and out for the same count and you're going around like a square. Um, and before you know it, you're just kind of off in la la land. I mean, that's 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 how it happens for me, at least. And sometimes, you know, it's just doing my yoga in the mornings or in the afternoons and stretching and just sort of like breathing through those movements. I mean, that's meditation and movement, right? Or walking meditation, walking down the street and soaking up the sun. And you're thinking about how lovely it is just to be alive and you're grateful and your gratitude. I mean, having like a, a daily time for gratitude, that's a meditation in itself. I mean, you can journal, you can write down 10 things that you're happy about today. And, and that's a meditation. So I think people think of meditating as like, you know, this like Buddha with his legs crossed and he's like ascending into the heavens and he's like blissed out and everything. And I mean, that is meditation for sure. But it's uh, it, it can be so different for for anybody. It's not a one size fits all thing either. Well, I'm glad you kind of explained that because I've I laugh at some of the comments. But I know people have said to me, do I need to get singing bowls? Do I need like a space <laughs> in my house? And what course do I need to take? And, you know, I think and you started off the podcast by saying, I keep it simple. Mm -hmm. And that really is what successful people yeah. do. Because if something is simple, you are consistent and it's effective. And success is doing the right thing and the thing that's productive over and over. So keeping your, your practice simple mm -hmm. and not having to have all these accessories because, oh, now I meditate, which is another layer of anxiety that we create. And I see that when people like work out or they'll start dieting, they they make it so much, I'm like, you just brought all this stuff into your space and you just added a whole new set of things to worry about. I think too, going through some like trial and error is important and experimenting and asking your friends, asking your family members, asking your therapist. I mean, if you have a therapist and if you don't, then you should probably consider getting one. But going through some trial and error and experimenting with what works for you. Because for me, I can't really do a guided meditation. That doesn't really do it for me unless I'm listening to like an Abraham Hicks thing. I love her. I love her voice. I think she's amazing. I will listen to one of her episodes like maybe once a week. Her her episodes about starting the day, starting. It's a great day to, you know, start the day off the right way. Her message mm -hmm. is really good. So I'll listen to that sometimes, but I don't even know if that's necessarily guided meditation. That's just like mm -hmm. an uplifting yeah. message. So I, I would just play around with, with different things. I really do love the singing bowls. There's different frequencies that you can listen to on Spotify. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they're so lovely. They're, they're really beautiful. And you can just like tune in to your inner being and just kind of like listen and chill i personally like those a lot and they're very they're very effective and, and they're very like is it soothing and calming yes and i do find that people want to go like oh i don't know how to use those and i'm like well you don't just start out using those and just yeah look up love frequency mindfulness frequency there's even one that's like frequency of god or something like that just being playful with it too not being so serious you know I think just having a lot of joy around your meditation practice is really important and and knowing that there's just not a right way to do it. You just do whatever works best for you. Whatever gives you that feeling of peacefulness, that is that is the most important. One of the things I want to kind of wrap up with and have you share 
I love that you've talked about finding people in your life that are supportive in your family and then just choosing a different type of partner as well. One of the things I've always noticed is, you know, as we get healthy, as we become healthier, not everyone comes with us. Sometimes, right. you know, have, have you had that same experience where, you know, you're, you're growing, you're healing, you're, you're changing. And all of a sudden, those those connections aren't always there. Mm -hmm. Not not everyone comes with us in our life, and that that can be sad. It can be sad, and life can be sad. Life can be tremendously sad and exhausting, and and like you can feel like you're you know at the bottom of the depths of despair. I mean, like life is meant to be like that, right? So it's okay. And I've had, a, I've had many people fall out of my life. I have. Mm -hmm. And I, I grieve those relationships. And I think about them now and I think about what they served for me at the time and the lesson and just the gratitude for that person having been in my life, even if it was somebody who, you know, was, was awful towards me or I might have been awful towards them. No matter what it was, they're not in my life anymore. And I learned something from that. But you're becoming, as you go through these growth periods, you're becoming more and more yourself and you're becoming more aligned with, you know, your your purpose and your reason for being, which is just to be alive and have the joy in living. And once you kind of tune into the knowing of that information, everything else will align in your path and the people who are on that shared journey with you, who, who you may not even know them yet, but they're coming and they will find you. And so for as many people as you lose and for as many people as you outgrow, you'll have this abundance of people who have either come in or are yet to come in and, you know, teach you new wonderful lessons. And, and perhaps some of those people who haven't come in yet, perhaps they'll leave too. But you know, at the end of the day, like we do come in this world alone and we leave alone. And so it's about just, like I said earlier, finding the joy and living and being alive and just like the lessons that we get to learn in, in this human experience that we're all going through. You said that just beautifully. Thank you so much for Thank the way that you, you shared that because that's what I think our listeners need to hear that's what they're looking for i think that's what we have to remind ourselves about yes. so i think you've done such an incredible job of encouraging us and inspiring us and also sharing your own story that it's it's been a a tough process but professionally and personally you you love where you're at mm -hmm. and you're still on that growth journey but you're you know so much more intuitive and and healthier and happy. Yeah. Thanks, Shelly. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Yeah, I, I would just, you know, encourage anybody who is going through a hard time or a growth season just to try to find some stillness and, and quiet time and the wisdom that you're seeking is already, you know, inside of you. If you just sort of sit still with it for long enough and the answers will always come no matter what. Well, I'm going to be watching for great things in your future and just seeing what happens along your journey. Yeah, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to launch the project. It's called Neon Lights and Sober Nights, and I'm hoping to have a launch party in January. Mm -hmm. So 
anybody is welcome to to attend and we're going to have some really good deep conversations on sobriety and spirituality so i'm super super excited for that to to evolve and that's what i'll be working on for the back half of this year so i'm really excited well, keep us posted and let us know how we can support that in any way. We would love to be able to do that. Welcome, everyone, to Mindful Moments. If you can, just take a moment, take a deep breath, and close your eyes. If not, just take that deep breath and just really focus on your body and your breathing. And remember that it's okay to not know the answer or how to solve every single problem today. You might not have been at this place before, this season of life. So you might not know how to communicate with this new group of people or be experienced in balancing your personal life and your professional life, but that's okay. Give yourself the grace to know that you're insightful and that you're motivated to become the healthiest, happiest person that you can be. So go ahead and live your best life. Thanks so much for listening to Shelley O'Neill from the Green Velvet Couch. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, subscribe, and review where you listen to your podcast. That helps others find the show and begin their own wellness journey. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, go live your best life.